guys, welcome to episode 6 of the Praise PlayStation Podcast. I am your host, Nicholas Ryan. Today is Friday, October 20th, 2017. Gotta apologize to everyone again. Uh, I ended up working 11 days straight there and got super sick after, so I, I uh, missed missed the episode last week. Um, still kind of fighting the cold here, so hopefully I don't sound too gross for you guys. So what's everyone been playing in the meantime? I grabbed Gran Turismo Sport the other day and been picking away at that. Kind of mixed feelings on it. I mean, it's Gran Turismo. I love Gran Turismo. Gran Turismo 3 is one of my most played games of all time, actually, and kind of what really got me into console gaming. But this one, uh, they neutered the single-player content quite a bit in this, and they're really focusing on the online, so I'm trying to give it a real shot where... I'm trying to play more of the online stuff, and I have really been enjoying it. I think they have a good setup for it. So how it kind of works is uh, you have races that start every 15 minutes, and within those 15 minutes, you can do qualifying. So everyone goes in, qualifies, whatever your times are, it'll pair you up with people to get similar times, so you're always placed in what it would be a close race or a reasonably close race. Depending how you drive, whenever you have a collision, if you do uh, kind of reckless driving, it'll lower your sportsmanship rating. So the people who are just driving around playing bumper cars actually get paired up with each other, and the people who race cleanly also get paired up with each other. So um, over time, as this system kind of works out the kinks and gets everyone rated where they should be, we should see improvements in that sort of racing as well. Uh, the online infrastructure has been pretty solid so far. I haven't had too much in ways of drops or... Uh, server problems I just I can't help but be a little disappointed that the single player has been paired back so much it's it's really a shame um the content too uh I mean what Gran Turismo 6 had over a thousand cars and I I mean you could say it was bloated with the whole like moon driving stuff because that really is important in a racing game but to go from over a thousand down to I think they're looking at around 160 or so in this game uh, it's obviously a lot of cut content, and the tracks are the same way. There's only 40 tracks. That's including different variations of the same tracks. So, I mean, when you have other games like... Uh, we'll use Project Cars as an example because it's on PlayStation as well. That has, I think, somewhere around 160, 180 different track variations and actually more cars than Gran Turismo at this point as well. So they're kind of going, this is something of a reboot, like they're going for more quality over quantity this time. And I mean, if they're going to use this as a framework to build upon, then I think they have a very sound framework to work on from here. Polyphony's generally been um, pretty good about updating games. They released quite a few updates for Gran Turismo 5 and 6. So like I say, if they take this as their framework and continue to build upon it, I think it could become something really great as it stands right now. Unless you're really into online racing, it's I don't really think it's worth getting. That being said, if you are into online racing, this is probably the best game on the PS4 to get for that. Um, looking at kind of the Metacritic score, it's at a 76 right now. I kind of feel like everyone's on this, a bit of the same page where 
what's there is really good. But if you're not into it, you're not going to like it. And the cut content just really is a bummer. Anyways, uh, plowing ahead. I finally picked up a PlayStation VR last week. And uh, we'll, we'll come back to this later. So I thought I'd try a new segment here, guys, where uh, at the start of every month we'll go over what the best-selling games of the previous month were. So taken from the PlayStation blog, the top sales for September, number one, no surprise here, really, Destiny 2. Obviously, there was a lot of hype behind this game. The first game sold very well as well. Number two, NBA 2K18. Number three, FIFA 18. Number four, Madden 18. Again, uh... No real surprises here. Sports games always sell very well, particularly at launch. Um, Number five is a bit of a surprise for me. Actually, Final Fantasy IX was re-released on the PS4 here. I'm surprised it would crack the top five. Clearly, there's a lot of people that uh, really enjoyed those old Final Fantasy games. A couple other interesting things uh, I saw looking at this here. Both Grand Theft Auto V and Bloodborne are still in the top ten. Um, Grand Theft Auto V is almost always in the top 10. I can only imagine how much money Rockstar's made off of that game. It must just be insane. And uh, I'm happy to see Bloodborne still making some sales as well. That's one of my favorite games on the PS4. So in terms of news over the last couple weeks here, guys, um, not a whole lot going on in terms of announcements or anything, but a couple interesting stories nonetheless. Um, To start... From the PlayStation blog, Sony has announced that um, they're going to announce a new controller designed in conjunction with Hori. Uh, The officially licensed mini wired gamepad for PlayStation 4 designed with younger gamers in mind. So this controller is 40% smaller than the DualShock 4 and has a simple form factor with a flat design that makes it easy to fit into smaller hands. And it launches at a price of $29.99 US or $39.99 Canadian. So obviously this is something for... And a younger sibling or a child or something when you want to play those games with them, but you don't really want to spend uh, 60, 70, 80 bucks on another DualShock. So, I mean, more choice is always good. That being said, I can't see myself getting one, but more choice is always good. Former Naughty Dog employee David Bellard, an environmental artist, was allegedly fired for reporting sexual harassment by a lead to uh, human resources. So in a Twitter quote, he wrote, In late 2015, I was sexually harassed at Naughty Dog by a lead. My work environment became extremely toxic afterward. In February 2016, I had a mental breakdown at work and Sony PlayStation HR became involved. When I told them about the harassment, they ended the call and fired me the next day. They cited the company was moving in a different direction and my job was no longer needed. They tried to silence me by offering $20,000 if I signed a letter agreeing to the termination, as well as to not discuss it with anyone. I declined to sign. I've been unemployed for 17 months since, end quote. Naughty Dog has released a statement on their website in a response to that. Uh, quote, we have recently read on social media that an ex-employee employee, sorry, of Naughty Dog, Dave Bellard, claims he was sexually harassed when he worked at Naughty Dog. We have not found any evidence of having received allegations from Mr. Bellard that he was Harassed in any way at Naughty Dog or Sony Interactive Entertainment. Harassment and inappropriate conduct have no place in Naughty Dog and Sony Interactive Entertainment. We have taken and will always take reports of sexual harassment and other workplace grievances very seriously. We value every single person who works at Naughty Dog and Sony Interactive Entertainment. It is of utmost importance to us that we maintain a safe, productive workplace environment that allows us to channel all our shared passion for making games. 
Um, kind of the sort of response you would expect from the company side. Be interesting to see what what else comes from this. Um, there's been lots of kind of strange rumors of stuff going on at Naughty Dog, well, with Amy Hennig leaving years ago, um, as well as some other high-level people. So maybe there is something going on there. Maybe it's all just a coincidence. I don't know. I just do a gaming podcast. But uh, still, you never want to read stuff like this. EA Executive Vice President Patrick Soderlin announced that EA is shutting down its Visceral Game Studio and making major changes to this team's in-development Star Wars project. The project was to be an Uncharted-style action-adventure in the Star Wars universe. EA Games Vancouver has taken the helm of the project right now, which is now aiming for a 2019 release. So as you guys may know, Visceral Games was uh, most well-known for the Dead Space series, as well as uh, they worked on Battlefield Hardline as well. Um, the first two Dead Space games in particular were excellent. The third one, not, not quite as much, but the first two were very good games, some of my favorite horror games. So this is this adds another so this adds another EA closed studio to the growing list that includes many others such as uh, Pandemic, EA Blackbox, DreamWorks Interactive, Mythic Entertainment, Maxis Software, and uh, many more. I'm sure. All the best to those who worked at Visceral, and hopefully they're moved to different projects in the in uh, EA or they land on their feet elsewhere. So moving right along. Uh, time for the pick of the week. Now, since I missed uh, last week's show, and there's actually been some pretty big releases lately, I'm going to do this one a little different. I'll uh, list off what are four pretty big games that have released in the last two weeks here. And I explain uh, kind of who, what kind of gamers they're for. So last week we had Middle Earth Shadow of War, so the sequel to Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor, which was one of my favorite games. I think it came out in 2015. Uh, kind of a sort of action-adventure, light RPG in the vein of Assassin's Creed mixed with um, the Batman games, but set in the uh, Lord of the Rings universe. So this one, if you if you played the first one, this kind of takes that similar style and just ramps it to 100. They don't necessarily care as much about the lore, um, staying true to the Lord of the Rings, and just kind of give you a sandbox to mess around in. Um, so it's sitting at a Metacritic of 83 right now. It's been pretty well received. Um, also last week we had The Evil Within 2. Um, for you horror fans out there, it's sitting at a Metacritic of 76. Um, little different than the first one. Um, kind of a little less shock horror stuff going on. Uh, more set in an open world. Not as linear as the first. Uh, definitely has a bit of a different feel to it, but for your horror fans, I think you'll enjoy it. Um, this week we have Grand Turismo Sport, which I spoke about a bit earlier. Um, obviously for racing fans, particularly online racing fans, this is a, a good one to pick up. City had a Metacritic of 76. And we also had South Park, The Fractured But Whole. Um, for you South Park fans out there, it kind of plays as a RPG light with the visual style of uh, the South Park series. They did a pretty cool job on it. So it's at a 80 on Metacritic right now in the also recommended. So finally, guys, the topic of our show, PlayStation VR, one year later. So with over 1 million sales so far and a recent price drop as well as a slight hardware refresh to allow HDR pass through, um, I finally decided that now was as good a time as any to get into PlayStation VR managed to grab a headset off of Best Buy uh, Canada there for 300 bucks, which I feel is reasonable. 
I kind of have two major points I want to make. One is everyone has to try this. Um, whether you meet someone who has one, you go try it at their house, or there's some sort of promotion going on in your local local mall, town, city, whatever, everyone has to give this a try just to see what they think. Every person that I've put it on, gamer or non-gamer, has been pretty well blown away. There's that initial shock factor where this is far more than what you're expecting, and that includes myself, someone who plays a lot of video games. Uh, the second point I want to make here is that VR motion sickness is a very real thing. It definitely goes game by game, and it kind of sounds like the more you play, you'll get your VR legs, as they call it, which will, will help with that. I've dabbled around in a bit of, quite a few different experiences. The ones where you're more stationary, say at a shooting range or such, don't really bother me at all. If you're walking around a bit at what would be a normal walking speed, it doesn't seem to bother me either. But uh, racing games in particular, which is a bit of a shame because it's something I was really excited for, really seem to give me motion sickness. So I'm, I'm hoping I can overcome that. As those kind of games are something I, I'm really interested in. So I have three different ways to control the games in PSVR right now. I have the standard DualShock, I have the Move Controllers, and uh, the Aim Controller as well, which is something of a, a gun a gun shape with like a move tracking ball on the end, essentially. Um, there's one game in particular I've been playing called Farpoint. Um, kind of one of the higher production PSVR games in which you use the gun. And uh, this controller actually has all the same buttons a PS4 DualShock controller would have. Um, so I hold the gun, you can either sit or stand. You move around within kind of this sci-fi alien world. And you hold the gun up to your face and it actually, there's a sight there. You can look right down the sight. There's a great sense of depth to it. It's a very visceral, immersive experience shooting at the gun vibrates a little. There's just the overall effect is very, very well done. Um, I can't wait for it to be applied, say, when a, a Call of Duty or something gives you a VR mode. And to be able to play like online or something like that. Because the core experience is is great with this thing. It's far better than what I was expecting. I don't know if any of you guys had the sharpshooter attachment uh, back on the PS3 with the move controller. You could play like uh, Killzone, Socom. I think there was a few others. As fun as that was, the control mechanism just didn't work for quick turnarounds. Um, something would pop up behind you and it would take forever for you to turn around because you had to point the gun at the side of the screen. Um, with VR... And the aim controller, you don't get that. You have the the full functionality of a controller, but you still get to aim and shoot at what's on your screen as well. It's um, it's a very very good way to play these games. And like I said, it's it's actually much better than what I was expecting. Um, beyond that, I tried some other ones. There's uh the PSVR uh, Worlds, it's called, which is something of not necessarily a demo desk, but something made by Sony to kind of give you just a few small bite-sized experiences to play around. Um, there's one called the London Heist in which you use two move controllers which represent each of your hands. Um, if you pull the trigger on the move controller, it will like close your hands as if you're grabbing something. There's a few moments where you're in a shootout and you'll have ammo in a bag beside you and you're using one move controller to shoot and with the other controller, you'll reach down into the 
big grab a clip of ammo and then load it into your opposite hand as if you were loading a gun it was a super cool effect that I couldn't believe something so simple would have uh, such a pronounced effect on me I mean obviously with something like this I think the hardware is very much there and effective it just it comes down to the games now and uh, there's like Resident Evil 7 which I played entirely um, in non-VR back when it released in the spring there and uh, I played around a bit in VR just over the last week and it's a very intense experience and I, I actually can't wait to finish it off in VR as well I want to play through the whole thing um, hopefully Sony will properly support this like it deserves um, they don't have the greatest track record when you think of the move the PlayStation Eye camera uh, the PlayStation Vita, the PlayStation TV. Um, I do think they've supported this well so far. They seem to be excited about it. Actually, they recently released that there's 60-plus um, games coming between now and the beginning of 2018. Obviously, not all of those or many of those are made by Sony themselves, but at least the games are coming, and it's all about the games. Um, Skyrim VR actually comes out next month, and as much as I don't want to buy Skyrim for like the fourth time now, I probably will because I love um, open world RPGs and uh, I really enjoyed Skyrim. And for me, I think that's the ideal experience I want out of VR is to go into a world and to just kind of exist in it. Um, I really appreciate good immersion in games and VR is kind of the next step of that. So hopefully Bethesda really nails down the technical aspects of that. At this point in time, I don't believe VR is something that everyone should go rush out and buy. I do think everyone has to give this a try, though. Uh, maybe if Sony were to give it another price drop or a couple more killer apps, the games just have to be there. Then it will be something I can wholeheartedly recommend to not just the enthusiasts, but the ca kind of casual consumer as well. But seriously, guys, you gotta you gotta get out and give this a try. I'll definitely be putting some more time in over the week, uh, this next week here, and I'll let you know kind of what more stuff I find if the the motion sickness goes away and such. But that's it for this week, guys. Uh, thank you all for listening. Hope you have a good week, and I'll uh, talk to you next week. Stop dwelling on empty words Stop stalling in the door